Climate Cheesecake is brought to you by the Cheesecake Collective and powered by Artwave Studio. Hello, my name is Movin and I'm a PhD student and I chiefly work on uh, biodiversity conservation, specifically birds in Southeast Asia. Climate Cheesecake. Okay. Today, we are going to be discussing the CBD, which is not the Central Business District, <laughs> um, but it's the Convention on Biological Diversity, right? Which is sort of like a UN um, convention that was sort of like brought up at the Earth Summit back in 92, which mm. is like 30 years ago. Mm. And the convention is not like a event, it's actually an agreement that the that parties all signed in, in Rio de Janeiro during the Earth Summit. Yeah, and to date, there are about 193 parties, which means almost all the countries in the world mm. have signed it. And it's sort of meant to oversee components of biodiversity and all the various forms of life on Earth at an ecosystem level, right? So animal, mm. plants, fungi, bacteria, and uh, also this sort of more intangible idea of genetic diversity as well. Mm. So uh, with these objectives, the CBD is often seen as the key international instrument for sustainable development mm -hmm. with relevance to biodiversity. But of course, because, you know, doing, achieving all of the goals that are set up, set up by the CBD, right, it's, it's really a massive undertaking. You mm. need to have substantial resources for it. Mm. Um, but of course, we believe that like, you know, in the end, all the economic, the social and environmental benefits will definitely be worth it. Mm. And the interesting, the most important thing about the CBD is really that it takes an ecosystem approach, uh, which is sort of like an integrated strategy for the management of resources. So it's like a very big picture, top-down type of thing. Mm. And um, this is relevant for a later discussion, which is that it utilizes the precautionary principle. Mm. So even though there may not be like scientific data to show with full scientific certainty that like, you know, this thing will cause you know, big would be a big problem for biodiversity. Mm. Just simply the indication that it might is a good yeah. enough reason for countries to sort of like um, not do it, to avoid or minimize these yeah. measures. La. And for those who cannot remember or have heard of the precautionary um, principle if, and can't remember it, I can be very, I'm very sure that it showed up in our primary school textbooks because I remember writing that down. But don't, if you don't remember it, the principle or the understanding behind it is exactly what Movin has shared, which is that even if you are not sure or you don't have proven data of the um exactly what the impact the is, of it, yeah. is to be is to take the the cautionary route basically. Yeah. yeah. Just be, be yeah. cautious and careful about it, yeah. right? It, it, it's in the name, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I guess. I want to say I think it's quite interesting that you say that like that you know what's significant about this convention about the CBD is that it takes a ecosystem approach because mm. the lead up to 1992 the of Rio the Janeiro is that there were other big big um, movements going on and, and uh, on a yeah, sort of like so international agreements going on there were the very earliest one I know is the the Montreal Protocol which is in 1987 80s, right? yep. yeah 87 and that's that's the one I think most people will know about like when I speak to people who are, are kind of new and, and I guess older generations um, kind of new to all this climate talk they would only think about ozone depletion the ozone hole that's burning your skin yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, CFC exactly. but that's basically what the Montreal Protocol is for and then moving ahead I think Kyoto Protocol is around the same time as um, the Earth Summit right? Yeah so the thing about okay so I, I want to sort of jump off that a little bit because yeah. the older generations so that is the power of these conventions right? Yeah the Montreal Protocol happened mm. and people were immediately galvanized to do something, became aware of the problem of the ozone layer mm. and to do something about CFCs. Mm, mm. And that is really the power of the UN conventions, right? It become, it in, 
engraves itself into people's consciousness yeah, yeah. by the importance of certain issues. As long as it's trickling down to yeah, exactly. whoever who is, it, you know, it makes yeah. things more visible. It yeah. makes people accountable, makes governments accountable if they sign mm. and ratify it. Mm. Um, but it also makes lay people aware, mm. you know. Mm. And um, this awareness also has sort of like as back, like also has a sort of feedback loop to governments, right? Mm, if mm, people mm. know that this is a problem, then mm. governments will be like, oh, the people who vote for me, my my electorate knows that this is a problem and therefore it's something I should care about, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And like you said, like this idea to protect, you know, the environment, biodiversity didn't just come out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, one of the earliest things that, that is off the top of my head is like CITES. So CITES is a convention for the international trade of endangered species of uh, flora and fauna. Mm-hmm. That's and this the was, one with the um, critically endangered, no, sorry, that's no, no, IUCN. That's IUCN, yeah, so yeah. cut this out. <laughs> okay, no, no, I'll keep it in. But okay. like, um, yeah, let, let's explain it. So <laughs> I mixed it up. CITES, what it does is it sort of regulates trade Yes. International trade Correct. in Sorry, that's species, the right? wildlife that's the yeah. wildlife um trade and one. And this has been yeah. around since the sixties. It's also mm. sort of administered by the United Nations Environmental Program. Mm. Um the different secretariats that do the CBD and different and a different secretariat that does uh, CITES. Mm. CITES takes a very species-specific approach, right? Mm. Depending on which appendix the yes. species is on, yes. the, the level of trade is regulated to a different right. degree. Uh, whereas CBD is the opposite approach, right? It uses a big picture ecosystem sort of like aspect to mm. sort of like think about biodiversity. And has also other protocols written in later on, like so like mm. the Cartagena protocol and the Nagoya protocol, mm. which both kind of like mainly talk about like genetic resources. Mm-hmm. So um, ensuring that like our biodiversity isn't affected by mm. uh Biotechnolo- biotechnologically altered uh, organisms mm. and also like alien invasive species. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. So the CBD uh, basically looks at three major things. Conserve biological diversity uh, to make sustainable use of the components of biological diversity and for the share and equitable sharing of the benefits arising out of the utilization of genetic resources. Mm. Yeah, so this is not just about conserving biodiversity, but it's about using it in a good way, okay. in a fair way, okay. in a way that benefits as many people as possible. So it's not just an environmental thing, it's also a social thing. So this that means this affects like like um the natural resources that we rely mm. on, like like palm oil that we talked about previously. Mm. Does it? I guess it, it would depend. Okay, so one of the outputs that every con- country that sort of like um, signs and ratifies uh, the convention, the CBD has to do, is sort of create um, this thing called the National Biodiversity and Species Action Plan. Okay. And what this does is sort of like outline the concrete goals. All of these conventions, right, that the UN does, it is not does not immediately become like law Correct. in a country, right? Correct. So if you agree to it, then you as a country, as a government, will sort of amend or create laws in a country to sort of help you achieve certain goals. Mm. So CITES, the framework which sort of regulates endangered species, each country sort of regulates that or has different like punishments for trading illegal wildlife and Mm. sort of like, you know, in line with CITES Mm. because they signed and ratified it. But um, like the punishments might be different, like uh, the fines might be different because every country has a different context. Okay. And similar to CBD, Every country has is at a different place when it comes to okay. biodiversity conservation and the management of its use and its resources. So to have like these context specific things, right? Mm. The part of the goal is to, the part of one of the outputs is to have like these national NBSAPs is what they're called, national biodiversity and species action plans to sort of have these uh, national plans, action plans for what you're going to do with these resources, how you can allocate these resources, how you're going to conserve biodiversity, um, and different countries. I mean, like most of the countries have already done an NBSAP, mm. right? So I think one thing that we've been talking about is 
what is the link? How do we go from something that a paper or a document that politicians yes. signed to yeah. benefiting the pangolins uh, on the ground? Yes. And this is the part where that magic happens, this connection happens, right? Where because I want to achieve the goals that are outlined in CBD, but in my context, right, as a government of, of a specific country, I look at the biodiversity, I consult experts in the country, and I come up with a list of things, mm. right? So these are the ideal goals that I want to achieve. And say as a conservation organization or a group or whoever, like whatever I am, like I want to do conservation work, right? I want to save species. Like say I want to save pangolins in Singapore, right? Mm. I look at the NBCEP that Singapore has written for pangolins here. Mm. Like for, for, for all of the biodiversity and resources in Singapore, what do they say about critically endangered species mm. or pangolins in particular? Do they have anything in particular about protecting pangolins? Mm. If they do... Then when I'm writing up a grant application or I want to liaise with uh, government authorities in Singapore to protect pangolins, I say, hey, actually our work is very much in line with one of right. your goals. Right. right, it gives and you leverage. Yeah, it gives way. you leverage yeah. in that way. It gives you um, a seat at a table to sort of like have this buy-in, this sort of like government buy-in mm. to like uh, your project, mm. right? And so having this political will on your side mm. and having these NBCEPs which sort of serve as a roadmap for what the country hopes yeah. to achieve, you can sort of like describe your project or what you want to do or like uh, align your project in a way that sort of like aligns with these goals mm. and allows you to sort of like benefit pangolins, you mm. know, in the, in, in the long run or mm. benefit mm. pangolins. I guess, yeah, you're right. Because, I mean, the, the countries will see big picture, then they'll come out with a big plan. And I'm pretty sure the MB, MB, what? SEP. MB SEPs are, are designed and decided with all the stakeholder engagements that they will mm. all do as well. So there is sort of like a nice direction that yeah. your conservation can and, look And also to. expertise. I think that's an important yes. thing to talk about mm. because uh, MB SEPs are, most MB SEPs are also designed with, uh, yeah, you say consultation with various stakeholders, which is super relevant in countries where you have a lot of indigenous groups mm. that manage a lot of land, right? Like say mm. countries like the Philippines, like most countries in Southeast Asia, basically, yeah. right? <laughs> um, where uh, indigenous people do own, sort of like, like oversee and sort of maintain like these uh, landscapes where a lot yeah. of biodiversity and genetic resources are sort of embedded. Um, but uh, there's also sort of like, uh, in Singapore, our context here where we don't have these things, right? We don't really have indigenous groups that sort of oversee land. Everything is overseen by the government, right? Mm. So what is the role here? The now government that, yeah. oversees uh, sites. So researchers who want to do uh, want to do things that pertain to achieving an NBCEP goal or studying a species that is a key recipient of like, you know, like a, an entire chapter or like one of the main goals in, in, in an NBCEP would write to the government like, hey, I want to study like species X. Mm. Maybe it's pangolins, right? Mm. Uh, in this context and say like, um, this would really help us with achieving our NBCEP goals. Mm. And therefore like, you know, with in terms of what we have sort of promised for the CBD, mm. right? Mm. Then the government in Singapore might be like, oh, that's a great idea. So um, in Singapore, the National Biodiversity Centre, which is uh, sort of like within the National yes. Park Spot, sort of oversees this, right? And they might be like, oh, that's a good idea that mm. we, we would like to support that. Mm. Um, we can give you access to the site to do the study, share the results with us. You know, things like that. So that's how it might be done in, in Singapore, for instance. Right, right. And of course, depending on where in the world you are, depending on who you want to work with and, and what exactly you want to benefit, it, it could be done in a, in a multitude of different right. ways. I also think it's interesting that, you know, this goes obviously, they're 
they you, you know you you've really shared how helpful they are in the sense of making sure that conservation work happens and also happens according to the roadmap that has been um, designed and 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 you know have discussed and agreed on. I think it's quite cool that these goals have been decided twenty years ago. 30. It's twenty twenty. Oh my gosh, 2020, right, sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. 30 years ago. 30 and it's years ago. And, and and I know you shared with me that they haven't it's the same goals, it's the same roadmap that has been sort of like I mean it's um, of course been tweaked and, yeah. and, and things like that. You know, like yeah. um like that that's the other thing. The conservation landscape is never static, right? It's yes, always changing. Course. So it's the goals are kind of updated, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Just a quick question. The goals are like for example, in Singapore's context for pangolins, is it like a oh a con uh conserve or, or rehabilitate the population to like this number is it that specific no so goals, that would usually be done like? so it, it could even be things like oh we want to conserve like a uh, certain amount of habitat that or certain areas these, these in order to animals. like yeah to okay. conserve our maximum biodiversity right, right it's about right, right. resource allocation to protect I mean like because it's impossible to protect everything right of course so um, I mean which, I don't want to say of course so quickly but but, like, but of I mean, course but yeah. this is like yeah so we 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 ideally we want to protect everything but mm. we also know that it's not possible to protect everything right mm. so like it's about resource allocation and knowing like oh we're going to prioritize which areas right mm. like you know which areas we're going to protect uh, how we're going to go about it what are the key goals mm. like mm. you know what is like when it comes to like biodiversity protection so it may not really be specific to oh we need to protect Sunba, Sunda pangolin you know mm, mm, it mm. might be something more uh you know, like generic as like making sure that critically endangered species populations are allowed to recover. Mm. Things, things, the things that are a bit more broad. I guess that's good. So because at that level, you you don't need, you shouldn't be that specific. So yeah, because you're exactly. limiting action, and, and right? that is yeah. the nature of the CBD, right? Yes. It is a broad ecosystem yeah. approach to mm. uh, biological conservation, mm. right? Um, whereas, like for instance, societies, which is the opposite, it's like a very like species specific approach, yeah, yeah. and the. IUCN, which is the International Union for it's Conservation of Nature, approach, yeah. which does the the thing which assesses the threat status of different species. That is also a species specific approach. Mm, mm. But like you know, when it comes to conserving um, the environment or yeah. biological diversity, uh, it's important to have both. I think, of course, like to have this like big picture approach, but also like understanding yeah. the very specific aspects of the ecosystem that you're working with. No, completely agree. I mean, I mean. Maybe, I think going down to the species level may be too much for some people. Yeah, I'm, and definitely but, not in like these big documents that are meant to be brought like an yeah, NDSAP, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think most people nowadays have a good understanding of like how, why your ecosystem is important. What is the glue that keeps the ecosystem together? You know, it's the relationships between your animals and your plants and your fungi and all that kind of stuff that I think it's quite nice Um, I don't know if I entirely agree with that. I mean, I feel like we might have a good understanding yeah. of that I feel like people but do. But like, I don't know if everyone, I mean, I would love to be proven wrong. Um, <laughs> I would really love to be proven wrong, honestly, mm-hmm. is that I don't know if everyone sort of sees the importance in having a forest be a forest. You, you know what I mean? Okay, I get where you're, where you're coming from. I'm, I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm just being more, maybe lowering my, I'm settling, okay? I'm settling. <sighs> I, I remember some, some, a friend who was like, just saying, oh yeah, I know if you take like one animal out and then like everything will die, which is like, which is <laughs> Which is like, of course, an over-exaggeration and yeah. also a simplification of, of the matter. But in a sense, if you have some idea like that, I think I can bring you from there to, to yeah, solve but, a better but I what you mean. It alludes to this idea that like everything is intrinsically linked, right? Yeah, yeah. And everything is sort of in this big system that functions well when it's not disturbed. Yes, yeah. yeah. You know, the last time I remember showing you a, a photo of like 
a, a peat land mm. and when the moment you looked at it you were like oh but this is like not a mature one already and yeah like, this, is, this is degraded like, I remember that yeah, one yeah you remember, and I and I and I and, and that kind of like makes me think about what you said just now that the importance of a forest being a forest you know having that like that like I remember in school and we learned like the different like five layers of forest and all that kind of stuff those structures matter yeah. and that maturity matters as well and I think with the scientists type of like species species level approaches and the ecosystem approaches with the CBD I think that it's quite nice. It's good, lah. I guess. Yeah, they complement each other. It's important to and have those to rewild, you know. The yeah, and, and fun fact, uh, there have been memorandum of understanding between the secretariats of CITES and uh, mm, CBD mm. as well. Because there is a sort of like very clear understanding that the goals, which while they're not identical, do overlap a great mm, deal. Mm. And sort of working together will only strengthen this sort of like overarching goals of like the conservation of biological... Mm. I think it's cool because I I have never really dealt directly deep, deep, deep into conservation work before mm. and all that kind of stuff. So the CBD is is not like something that I will, I I'm involved in like basically yeah. like it's not in my everyday convers- conversations basically. Yeah, but um, I I think no I I don't think it's very intuitive because like when I was doing conservation work yeah. Uh, I was like, okay, I see how all of these ground up projects help conservation on the ground, but yeah. what do these conventions yeah. have to do with anything? I remember that was my first question for this episode, you know, because yeah. I've heard of it before and I know it was like long time ago, but I didn't know, I really didn't know that it's still um, sort of a guiding light in mm. for conservation efforts today. And I, I quite like that because I think there's been a lot of talk on carbon and on big climate stuff. So Paris Agreement, all that kind of stuff takes quite big center stage and for good reason as well. And we will talk about it in later episodes. But Movin, you and I, we talked about this whole idea of rewilding the, the earth and how that's sort of like a very, very important yeah, I mean, direction that we cannot... Course, but like- yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, like, also, like, there is a strong link between CITES and CBD, but there's also a strong link between, like, all of this biological Paris. diversity and the Paris exactly, Agreement and carbon yeah. and, like, exactly. climate and, and all and of that, And with the whole right? the carbon so, talks, I always get worried that... And, and, the, and this sentiment comes up, that we are talking too much about carbon and forgetting that there is like, are we missing a the biodiversity trees for the, behind. Are we, are we missing the forest for the trees, Exactly, right? yeah, yeah. And how does that build or or not build biodiversity? Mm. And so, I, I, am, I am happy to hear that there are... There are, there are linkages and yeah. there are ways to sort of dovetail... Uh, the goals, right? Mm. Into... Yeah. And as like a regular, I guess like Singaporean or whoever who's just living, I think it's nice to know all the different like high-level agreements that are sort of like out there guiding and yeah. motivating efforts, I guess. Yeah, and how like these agreements written by politicians benefit yes. the pangolin in my yeah. backyard. I really I mean, like it really. that you I don't said... have a backyard with pangolins, but like <laughs> metaphorical backyard. Yeah, and I like it. And and it's like, like you said, like the Montreal stuff with the ozone depletion, you may not, I know a lot of people don't really understand like G- uh, greenhouse gases or whatnot, but they know ozone depletion and they knew CFCs from there. Mm. And I think that was, that's pretty cool. And that's the power of these big scale conventions, right? To instill like, it's just ingrained in like the social like uh, mind. Yeah. Like in, in yeah. the mind of like everyone, like these issues. Yeah, that's more powerful than anything. Mm. I yeah. think so. I do think so. Climate Cheesecake is brought to you by the Cheesecake Collective and powered by Artwave Studio. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at Climate Cheesecake. Go follow us. To find out more about the references mentioned in this podcast, check out Climate Cheesecake on Instagram. And additional links and references can be found on our website, artwave.studio/climatecheesecake.